to God, we're going to read verse 28 and 29 and continue our study of um, uh, these uh, judgments that are coming and that have come. It says, and now little children, and here's the key of the whole uh, chapter, abide in Him, that when He shall appear, that's one of the, uh, the judgments of Christ, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. And then look at verse uh, chapter 3. It says, Behold, what matter of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know when he shall appear. We shall be like him, for we shall, be, we shall see him as he is. And here's the challenge of the second coming. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. If you have the hope of the second coming, it will revolutionize your life. If you really believe that the Lord could come any minute, it will change your life more than any doctrine in the Word of God. Because the Bible says we ought to purify ourselves even as He is pure. So I believe the Lord's coming soon, don't you? I wouldn't mind if He came tonight. And I want to tell you something. There's a lot of people that are looking forward to the rapture. And I'm one of them. And I hope you are. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for your blessings. And thank you, dear God, for this study of eschatology things of the last days. Uh, God, it's such a wonderful study because, Lord, it's just right there in the Bible. And, Lord Jesus, it's coming, he's, you're coming soon. And so, Lord, help us to be ready and not be caught unaware and not be caught in sin, not be caught in the flesh. And help us to be found faithful servants in these last days. And we're going to praise you and thank you for what you do in and through this message. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week we started the study in 1 John chapter 2.28 about confidence and a shame before Him at His coming. And we went over that there's five judgments. And the first judgment, slide number one, Brother Joel, is that there's two judgments for the believer. There's one that's uh, the believer for sin, uh, and I tried to find this in color many hours and couldn't find it, so excuse the black and white, but sometimes you got to go back to the fundamentals and go black and white. But um, I tried. But uh, there's a, there, it's at the cross that that judgment was complete. I love 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. It's one of my favorite verses describing Calvary. I think it's even more powerful than John 3.16 because I believe sometimes in John 3.16 we just quote it, read it, and that's it. But it says, For he hath made him to be sin." For us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Now what a divine exchange that our sins was put on His account and His righteousness is put on our account. And thank God, friend, that is the judgment of sin. It's forever. And there is no condemnation to them that are in the Lord. I went over that last week, Romans chapter 8. And then the judgment number 2 it's found in this little chart by Clarence Larkin, a tremendous uh, man in the 1800s that uh, had a great insight on 
eschatology or the study of last things is the judgment of the servant. Here's the judgment of the sinner, but here's the judgment of the, of the, of the servant. And um, we have a judgment as a sinner, as a son, and as a servant. And um, every day we ought to judge ourselves that we be not judged. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, confess our sins. And then we are judged as a son at Calvary. That's past. But in the future, there's going to be a judgment seat of Christ. And folks, this is a judgment that takes place right at the rapture. Luke chapter 14, 14 says it'll be at the rapture. Romans 14, 12 says we'll all give account of ourselves to the Lord. You won't give account to the hypocrite. and You won't give account to your preacher or your deacon. You're going to give account to yourself. What, a, what an awesome thought. And at this judgment seat of Christ, we're going to be judged not according to our sin, but our works of what we did from the time we were saved to the time the rapture took place or the time we died, whichever comes first. And um, it's an awesome thought that you're going to give account of not only what you did between the time you were saved and the time that you met the Lord, but why you did what you did. Let's just review these verses. I, I was going to try to get to the great white throne judgment. Stay there. But um, uh, 1, John, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Then we'll just uh, glance at the, um, the crowns um, because we've got such a good chart on it, but we're not going to cover it much. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I want you to look at uh, verse, the verses I read last week, and I don't think I really got to the verse that I really wanted to emphasize. And uh, 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 talks about the judgment seat of Christ and talks about uh, uh, what's going to happen at the judgment seat of Christ. You realize that some people are going to be standing in ashes because everything that they've done is for their self and for the vainglory of themselves. And it's going to be burned up. They're going to suffer loss of all the rewards they thought they would get. And in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 3, it goes on to say that we're going to be judged by our motives. And that's an awesome thought. Why we did what we did when we did it. And uh, look, I'll look at it just real quick. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it says, Now if any man build upon a foundation, that's, that's the Lord, gold, silver, uh, verse 12, uh, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. It means everything's going to come out in the open. That's an awesome thought. Uh, and it says this, For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. Now listen to this. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. I want you to underline that phrase, what sort it is. It's not going to be judged that you have works. It's going to be judged by what sort it was. In other words, why you did it. A lot of people serve God for the get written up in the bulletin. A lot of people get to serve God so they can be called uh, some great Christian. Uh, a lot of people serve God for money, filthy lucre. As uh, Clef O'Dollar uh, proclaims himself as a God, he's serving himself as, uh, as a, uh, for himself. Look at this, verse 14. If any man's work abide, shall build thereon, you shall receive a reward. Notice this. If any man's work shall be burned, it shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. And so the Bible says that you'll go to heaven, but you'll just be there by the skin of your teeth, pardon the expression. I don't think teeth have skin, but that is a praise. 
That means you have nothing to show for your Christian life. You lost it all by being unfaithful. You lost it all by going AWOL. You lost it all because you got full of yourself instead of full of the Spirit, and you did everything to be seen or to be able to testify that you did it. And didn't give God the glory, the Bible says, that you'll be saved, but yet so is fight by fire. In other words, you'll be standing in the ashes. But the crowd that's faithful will not be empty-handed as I was at that birthday party several years ago. We'll have crowns. And according to Revelation chapter 4, uh, we'll cast those crowns at His feet. Uh, what kind of crowns can you, can you earn? Well, let's look at them real quick and uh, see. For, you'll see it on the second slide there, brother, is that uh, there is the crown, uh, crowns that we'll earn, uh, that we'll have. Uh, the, uh, it's a crowning day. It's a coronation day. It's like the Olympic races in those uh, days where they had, um, they had uh, rewards and, the, and, the, and a guy was on a Bema seat. That's literally what the judgment seat of Christ is uh, the, in the Greek, is the Bema seat. And he would rule who ran the race right and who came in first and who came in uh, uh, qualified. And that's why uh, Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, that I don't want to be disqualified. I don't want to be a castaway. Uh, it says, I keep my body under subjection, bring it under subjection, lest that any means when I have preached to others, I myself become a castaway. Uh, that um, means disqualified. And so, folks, what qualifies us is that we have some crowns. Uh, well, first of all, we have the victor's crown. It's an incorruptible crown. That's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 25. Look back up. It says, And every man that striveth for the mastery is tempered in all things, that they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible crown. And so all the rewards of this life is nothing compared to the rewards that we're going to have when we meet Jesus face to face. And folks, the only way those crowns will be there is that you did it for His face and not your face. That you did it for His glory and not your glory. That you did it because you love God. Then there's also the second crown is the crown of life. And that's a martyr's crown, Revelation 2.10. Um, and then we have the crown of glory that only elders can or pastors can can earn for being faithful pastors will receive a crown of glory. I think about Brother Gary Ledford. I believe he'll receive a crown of, of glory. He's been a very faithful pastor when he didn't feel like it. He was very sick. Uh, he's been faithful. Always had a heart's desire uh, to, for his church. And several pastors I know have been faithful. Other pastors I know have been in sin and and they got full of their self, and they got, they got uh, too prideful, and they, and they got uh, interested in money and things of the world. And so there's a crown of glory, the pastor's crown, given by the chief shepherd when he shall appear. First uh, Peter chapter 5, verse 2 and four, through 4 is those references, in case you can't see them. And then you have the crown of righteousness. And uh, I love these verses. I want you to turn to them, 2 Timothy chapter 4. And look at verse um, 8. I like verse 7. I have fought a good fight. I finished my course. 
I've kept the faith. Preached that at many funerals. I don't know how many funerals I've preached since I've been in this town, but it's hundreds. And a lot of times when a person's been faithful, I preach those verses. It says, I'm now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. Only God is in control of that, and He knows the time. But it says, I fought a good fight, I finished my course, and I have kept the faith. And then, henceforth, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but also all them that love His appearing. Now, if you love His appearing, you're not ashamed. If you love His appearing, then you know that you've been, you're being faithful. If you have a bud stupid in your right hand, you don't want him to have the rapture take place at that time. Say amen. If you're in a bar somewhere, you don't want the rapture to take place. Hey, friend, if you're uh, being unfaithful to your dear wife, you don't want the rapture to take place at that time. But if you're faithfully serving God, loving God, uh, you, you love his appearing. You'll love it because you'll know that you were not empty-handed. Then the last crown is 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, 19 and 20. And that's the crown of rejoicing. The crown of rejoicing. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. This is all the time we'll take on this because I did cover it somewhat last week. 1 Thessalonians. Y'all excuse my sinuses. They're out of control today. I was trying to help my grandson build a gift for his mother uh, and uh, I was working hard outside in a shed that was full of carpenter bees and he said I want my mother to have one of those carpenter bees trapped I said okay we'll make one so we was in that shed too long this morning I'll tell you that but it was a blessing uh, and he was proud that he got to help make his mother a gift I said all that to say this this Sunday's Mother's Day amen don't do like I did one time I didn't get my wife a present. And I said smartly, well, you're not my mother. That didn't go over too good, amen? Ever since since then, I got her something today. Sugar-free candy, put it in the bags, and I said, please share on the outside of the box. You don't diet, you want this this sugar-free stuff, amen? But um, appreciate your mom. Appreciate your wife, amen? They've been through a lot for a lot of kids. I'm amazed at uh, the energy my wife has for her, her grandchildren. I guarantee you, she puts it in high gear. She just got in from Atlanta. That's purgatory, amen? And so uh, there's going to be a special reward, I think, for faithful mamas. We're going to acknowledge all of them this Sunday. First Thessalonians 2, For what is it, hope, our joy, our crown of rejoicing? Are not ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus at his coming? For ye are our glory. I think one of the greatest experiences on this earth is winning somebody to the Lord. If you've never had that experience, you need to get your little soul winner's Bible. We're ordering some more. You need to learn how to take your Bible and lead somebody to the Lord. And you need to be looking for opportunities because I think it's the greatest experience. But I'm going to tell you what's going to be a greater experience. When you get to heaven, they're going to be your crown. They're going to be your joy. I don't know if they're going to be actually a crown, but I believe there'll be a crowd around you saying, Thank you for leading me to the Lord. That's going to be wonderful. Let me ask you a question. How many people died at 911? 
I think it was th uh, 3,120, I think it was. I want to ask you another question. How many died the day before 911? Let me ask you a question. How many people died the day after 911? I'll tell you how many. 6,420 people. Every day in the United States die. So the day before 911 and the day after 911, there was double that amount of people. Now, I'm sorry that happened, and uh, I'm against everyone that comes in this country illegally and tries to blow up our country and blow up families and, and terrorists. Not all people are terrorists that you think are terrorists, but there's some people that are terrorists. But I want to tell you what I, I, I believe, that every day 6,140 people die in the United States of America. And we need to reach them. We need to be soul winners. We need to have one purpose in mind everywhere we go is that we could take a track and plant the Word of God. I ordered uh, 4,000 tracks today. No, 6,000 tracks today. Read the story of Ford Porter. What a wonderful track that is. We ordered thousands of them. And folks, I want to tell you something. We're going to every door in this valley coming in June and July. And we're going to hand out the gospel. Because folks, I want to tell you something. One day at the judgment seat of Christ, you're going to give account of how many people you witnessed to, whether it was left a track or you spoke the word to them. And folks, I'm going to tell you something. The only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. He is not only the way, he's the truth, but he's not only just the way, the truth, he's the life. He's the life. So folks, I believe we ought to have soul winner crowns earned around here, and the way you do it is you be a soul winner. You be sold out. And so I want to come to my third point, and that is there's, another, there's a third judgment, uh, no, judgment number three. If you'll go to that next uh, uh, chart, and you probably can't see it, but just trust me, folks, there's the, the, the believer for sin judgment number one. And then there's the uh, judgment number two, the believers for works, the judgment seat of Christ. Then number three, there's the judgment of the Jews. And that's the great tribulation. Uh, Matthew 24, verse 20 through 21, in that middle circle right there, is, uh, I wish I had a little pointer like uh, Brother uh, Jeremy does. And Matthew 24, verse 21 through 21, uh, 20 through 21 says that it's the uh, Jacob's trouble. Uh, actually, it's uh, uh, a time of Jacob's trouble, Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 4 through 7. Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. The great tribulation, uh, Zechariah the prophet associated with the return of the Lord, Matthew 24, verse 21 through 31, talks about in the last days will be false prophets and famine, iniquity abounding. Uh, the human agent of the Lord will use will be the Antichrist, and the awfulness of those rules will be supplemented by pouring out of the vows of God's judgment. There'll be seven a trumpet, seven seals, seven vows, or bowls of God's wrath. Uh, hailstones, 125 pounds, will hit this earth. The water will turn to blood. Scorpion beasts, Revelation chapter 9, will be unleashed from hell. And, hell and, 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 and death will take a holiday. And folks, it's a judgment. It's Jacob's trouble. But all those that are Christ's rejectors are going to be there in the tribulation. And it's the waiting room to hell. There'll be nobody gets saved in the tribulation that heard the gospel before the rapture. 
they'll believe a delusion according to uh, 1 Thessalonians, or 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. They'll believe a, a lie, the father of all lies. And so we know about the tribulation. A lot of people think that's all the book is about in Revelation. Is Revelation 6 through 18 is the tribulation. It's Jacob's trouble. It's the Jews being punished and, and the wrath of God poured out on this earth. But it's all those that's left behind at the rapture. And so that's called the, the judgment of the Jews. And then uh, the judgment that I don't know much about and I've studied a lot about is the judgment of the nations. That's that uh, next circle where it says at Jerusalem. So there's a judgment of the nations. Matthew chapter 25, read it sometime. And all these are judgments. A lot of people will be uh, uh, called ashamed. And it's all depends on the nations, how they treated uh, the brethren. The brethren represents the Jews. There's the sheep nations and there's the goat nations. That's not individuals. Uh, it's living nations judge. There's no resurrection there. And on the earth, Joel chapter 3, verse 2, talks about it. And there's no books mentioned. There's just three classes. Sheep, nation, goats, na nation, brethren, nation. And the time is right before the millennial. This is going to take place. And um, they're going to be judged uh, by how they treated Israel. This is going to be the judgment of the nations. Um, and it's going to be a horrendous judgment. These nations are going to be destroyed, and the ones that's cared for the Jews will enter into the millennial as a nation. Uh, I wonder if America is still going to be here at that judgment. You never hear America mentioned in the Bible. Uh, some people equate an eagle with America. I think you're being a little too symbolic. And folks, I want you to know that um, there's a judgment on all nations Joel chapter 3, verse 1 and 2 talks about it. Let's turn there if we can. Joel, um, and, and look at it real quick. I think we can. I didn't plan on uh, going there, but I guess I will since I announced it. But I want you to look at it real quick. Joel's right before Amos, if that'll help you. Right after Daniel, if that'll help you. And it's, it's a little after Ezekiel. Does that help you? Amen, okay. It helped me because I couldn't find it for a second there. Joel chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. The Bible says, For ho, in those days, in the time when I shall bring again the captivity of Judah and Jerusalem, I will also gather all nations and bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat. And I will pl plead with them there for my people, and for my heritage, Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations and parted my land. And they have cast lots for my people and have given a, a boy for a harlot and sold a girl for wine that they might drink. And so, folks, we see in Joel chapter 1 and 2, it's, there's a judgment of the Gentile nations after the battle of Armageddon, before the millennial reign. And then a thousand years passes by. That thousand years, God will wipe away the tears at this judgment of the, of the saved. But this judgment is primarily for the lost. And I want to get to the great white throne judgment as the last judgment tonight. And the great white throne judgment is found in Revelation chapter 20. If you'll turn there with me, we'll close with this. Revelation chapter 20. 
verses 11 through 15. I can show you part B of the rapture in verse 5. This is the first resurrection. You've got to get, watch your grammar on that. Make sure you don't put that resurrection somewhere else. But the people that get saved has never heard the gospel um, after the, uh, uh, the um, tribulation. There's going to be a, a resurrection for them, part B of the rapture. And then uh, the judgment of the nations, then the millennial reign, and then something miraculous is going to take place. All the people that are in Hades or hell are going to be raptured up out of that, resurrected up, that's a better word. And they're going to stand before the great white throne judgment. I believe we'll watch it. I believe we'll see it. And these folks are going to be coming out of hell and they're going to stand before Jesus and they're going to be judged um, by what they did with Jesus and also their whole life's going to pass before them and he's going to show his, the righteousness of his judgment and cast them back into hell. And that's like uh, waiting for a trial, being in jail and then going to the penitentiary. But all of it's hell. But look at, look at verse 11 as it describes in Revelation chapter 20. It says, I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it it from whose face the earth and the heavens fled away and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God and the books were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it and death and hell delivered up the dead which which were in, and they were judged, every man according to their works, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. I want to preach this a few minutes on the second death. If you're born twice, you'll only die once. If, you do, if you're born once, you're going to die twice. In other words, you're going to die physically and go to hell, and then you're going to be resurrected, and then you're going to die again. That's the second death, according to the Scripture. And that's the second resurrection. Look at this. And it says, And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And so, folks, there's a second resurrection. The wicked are resurrected to the judgment. The sinner's doom, described in Matthew chapter 25, verse 41. And, folks, I want you to realize that the subjects of this judgment is the wicked dead. And um, the time is during the renovation of the earth by fire. The place is before a great white throne judgment. The basis of this judgment is their works. The results, they're cast into the lake of fire. Now the Pratts and other people believe there's a general resurrection. They believe there's a general judgment. That's wrong. I have a, a comparison. The next slide, brother of uh, the difference between the judgment seat of Christ and the great white throne judgment. The judgment seat of Christ is found in Romans 14, 10 through 12. 1 Corinthians 13, 3, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1 through 10. And then the great white throne judgments, Revelation chapter 20, Hebrews 9, 27 says, pointed once to man to die and after this is judgment. In the judgment seat of Christ, there's believers who will be judged and then the great white throne judgment is unbelievers 
who will be the judge, Jesus Christ. What's the purpose? To reward the faithful service of God's children. But then uh, the great white throne judges to settle the accounts of those who rebelled against God's righteousness and rejected Jesus. When will it occur? Well, the judgment seat of Christ occurs exactly when the trumpet sounds at the rapture. But the great white throne judgment is after the millennial, before the lake of fire. Now, the book of Revelation is written chronologically. So when you come to Revelation chapter 20, uh, it's a thousand seven years past the rapture. The tribulation, then a thousand years millennial. So this great white throne judgment is going to be horrendous. It'll be a place um, uh, of a great white throne judgment. I want us to look at uh, some of the... Uh, uh, um, some of the, some of the uh, uh, characteristics of this judgment. It's, 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 it's the great white throne judgment, number one, is by a sovereign judge, verse 11. I saw a great white throne judgment, him that sat on it, um, from the, whose face the earth and the heavens fled away, and there was found no place of them. The great white throne judgment shows a severity of judgment. Uh, verse 11 says there is nobody that's going to flee from it. And then the sentence of the judgment is found in verse 12 through 14. They're cast in the lake of fire forever and ever and ever. Eternity of hell. And then um, verse 14, they describe something called the second death. Uh, what is the second death? Well, the second death is, like, uh, is, is likened to a place of fire. It is a place of fire. Look at Revelation 21.8 next door. Revelation 21.8. The Bible says this, next, next slide, brother. It says, but the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable, uh, the whoremongers and the sorcerers, idolaters, liars, shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Now, folks, it's a place of fire. Uh, Mark chapter 9, verse 47, where the NIV takes it out, the King James puts it queer, uh, clearly, it's where the fire is not quenched. Look at Revelation chapter 20, verse 15. I got all those verses on the top line there. I'm trying to go slow so you can take notes. It says, Who was not found in the, written in the Lamb's Book of Life was cast into the lake of fire. The lake of fire. That's called hell. Uh, there is a hell. Um, who was it that tried to get hell out of, the, uh, out of their doctrine? His name was Russell. His daddy was a hellfire brimstone congregationalist preacher. And he said, I'm starting a movement called um, uh, Russellites. And Russellites became Jehovah Witnesses. And they don't believe in a hell. Well, I'm going to tell you something. It don't make it any less hot or, le or even, even less damaging and hurtful. It's a place of darkness, Matthew 8, 12. It's a place of suffering, Revelation chapter 2. Look, at, look with me in Revelation chapter 2, verse 11. And I'll just try to stay in Revelation mostly. Revelation 2, verse 11. The Bible says this. It says, He that hath an ear, let him hear uh, what is the Spirit saith to the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. Well, it's going to be a hurtful time burning forever and not burning up. I can't even stand to, to, uh, to uh, uh, burn my hand when I pick up a pot that I shouldn't pick up or a pan, trying to help Connie in the kitchen. So that's hot. 
And it's after I picked it up that she says that, amen? And it's a place of suffering. I don't like, to, I don't like any burns. Uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 9 talks about the excruciating. And then uh, it's a place of filth. And it's a place of justice and not mercy. Um, I believe it's Luke chapter 16 uh, talks about it not being a, uh, that there's no place for the rich man to get out of hell. It's forever and ever. Luke chapter 12, verse 47 through 48 says it's a place of justice, not mercy. It's forever and ever. But how long is the second death? I'm glad you asked. Look at Revelation 14, verse 10 through 11. We don't preach enough on hell. Revelation chapter 10, verse 14, verse 10 through 11. 14, 10 through 11. The Bible says, in verse 10, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of holy angels in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascended up forever and ever. They have no rest day or night who worship the beast and his image and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. Folks, the Bible says it'll be forever and ever. There's no break. It's an eternal day of suffering. It's an eternal night of suffering. Folks, how long is the second death? 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8 and 9 talks about uh, being forever and ever. Look at this, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. I want, you to, I want you to really listen now. Folks, when we witness to people and we try to keep them out of hell or experiencing the second death, experiencing the great white throne judgment, it's serious. It's sobering. I can't imagine the heartache to the children if their daddy is lost. I can't imagine the heartache. Maybe the mom's a good mom, but she's religious and lost, and, and, and she dies and goes to hell. I can't imagine the heartache and the pain that would be. Folks, it's hard enough when they're saved. What if they're lost? Look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, 8 and 9. 2 Thessalonians 1, 8 and 9. The Bible says, In flaming fire take vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. And so how long is the second death? It's forever. And who goes to the second death? Well, I'm glad you asked. Revelation chapter 20, verse 15. Revelation chapter 20, verse 15. God intended for every person on this earth to be saved. That's His will is for every person to be saved. And there's called a book of life that every person is, uh, that's born is put in the book of life. Then there's the Lamb's book of life. If your name's not found in the book of life, it's been raced, it's been taken out. Look at this, Revelation 20, verse 15. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And so uh, Revelation 21, 8 tells us who's going to be in hell. Look at verse, Revelation 21, verse 8. It says, but the fearful and the unbelieving. The only sin that will send you to hell is the unbelief. And the fearful means you wouldn't get saved because you're afraid what people would think or you're afraid that you couldn't live it. Nobody can live it. Jesus is the only one that can live it through you. 
the abominable. That's the uh, homosexual. That's the whoremongers. That's the child molesters will be in hell. I don't know about you, but I don't want to rub elbows for eternity with them. I want to win the Lord, but I want to live with them. And folks, people that are unbelieving, religious, fearful people are going to rub elbows with the abominable. The murderers, the whoremongers, the sorcerers. And we get the word sorcerer from parmakia, which means drugs. A lot of people have sorcery through drugs and idolaters and all liars to have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So who goes to the second death? Unbelievers. And the devil will be in the lake of fire. Revelation chapter 20, verse 10. It says, The devil that deceived them was cast in the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophets are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. I don't know about you, but I hate the devil. I don't like to be around the devilish things of the world. Turns my stomach. How would you like to live with him? If you're lost, you'll live with him. And so let me just close real quick and say, how can you escape the second death? Well, you need to become an overcomer. Look at Revelation 2, verse 11. This is where a lot of people get their works philosophy of salvation. But they take it out of context. Or they don't put it in proper context. Look at Revelation 2, 11. It says, Revelation 2, 11. The Bible says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith in the churches. He that overcometh shall not be heard of the second death. A lot of people take that and say, well, that means you've got to overcome and hold on and endure to the end and work salvation. Well, let's find out what the Bible says about how to become an overcomer. Turn to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. Did I put that down there? I hope I did. Yeah, 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 and 5. Here's how to become an overcomer. The Bible says, Who, And whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Now listen to this. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Amen. I want to tell you how you've been an overcomer. You have the overcomer in you. Greater is he that is in you than he is in the world. Folks, there ain't no way you can overcome yourself, sin, or this world without the overcomer in you. It's all because of Calvary. It's all because of the uh, indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the filling of the Holy Spirit. And thank God, friend, there is no way you can overcome without Jesus. Amen? Without believing and having faith that He is in you. That it's a spiritual relationship. So don't ever let anybody take this verse out of context and say, yeah, you've got to be an overcomer to get, get out of the second death, out of hell. No, you got to have the overcomer in you because you'll never overcome without him. I like for, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 54 through 57, the resurrection classic. And it says right here about victory in our life. It says in verse 54, let's start there. But So when the corruptible shall put on incorruption and this mortal shall put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying. Listen now. That's written. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where's thy sting? O grave, where's thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory, now listen, through our 
Lord Jesus Christ. There's no way you can be victorious without the Lord. Amen? And then you'll be victorious in life. You'll be victorious in death. You must be born again to escape the great white throne judgment and the second death. We'll give you that last statement. You can escape the second resurrection, the resurrection of damnation. The Bible describes it in John chapter 9, verse 24. Or you, uh, uh, listen, and, and the last judgment and the second death, only if you're born the second time. You escape the second resurrection, you escape the second death, if you're born the second time. You must be born again. Now friend, we must tell people the only way to miss hell is to be born again. There's a resurrection uh, of damnation that they can miss if they'll only be saved. That brings me back to our text. There's going to be a lot of people ashamed because they never witness. There's going to be a whole lot of people ashamed because they're hypocrites. There's going to be a whole lot of people ashamed because they fell out of church because Sister Flapjaw hurt their feelings. Sister Flapjaw talked about me. Maybe it was Brother Flapjaw. But I want to tell you something, friend. That's no reason to quit the church or quit Jesus. I often said, if my sister hurts me, it's no reason for me to turn on my father. And that's what a lot of people do. And so, folks, there's two crowds at the judgment seat of Christ. There's the people that are ashamed or confident. And, folks, the only way to be confident is in Jesus. Amen? The only way we can be confident that we're not going to be at the great white throne judgment. We're going to be at the judgment seat of Christ, which is an awesome thought. We're going to give account of everything we did from the time we were saved to the time that the rapture took place. And I believe that one of the reasons we're going to give account is because at the great white throne judgment, we're going to see people cast into the lake of fire that we could have been a witness to that we could have been Christ-like to. But we lost our temper with them and cussed them out instead of witnessing to them. We lost our testimony in front of them because of our life, and therefore we were a stumbling block instead of a stepping stone. And I believe there's going to be some tears at the great white throne judgment. Not only are those that cast into the hell, the second death, but I believe there'll be many looking on in the grandstands of eternity saying, I could have been more faithful. I could have witnessed. I could have been more compassionate. I could have cared. But I really didn't believe this day was going to take place. I really didn't believe hell like I should have. I want to tell you what to give you a burden for souls. Five seconds looking into the pit of hell. If you could get a vision of hell, you'd never be the same. Well, read your Bible, because there it is. Folks, if hell's not in this Bible, then we might as well just throw it in the garbage because it's not inspired. But it is in this Bible. Jesus preached on hell 13 times. He allowed the prophets and all the gospel writers to mention it 87 times. Why? Because there is a hell. And there is a heaven. And I'm so glad I'm going to heaven. And at least I can do is be a good friend, a good workmate, and a good neighbor. And carry some gospel tracts with me 
and be ready to give a witness. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this study of being ashamed or confident at the judgment seat of Christ. Lord, I didn't know I was going to get into all these judgments, all five of them. But I'm glad I did because some people never heard it. And Lord, we need to know the Word of God. And Lord, I pray that we'd not have bloody hands at the, judgments, the great white throne judgment, that their blood was on our hands because we did not witness. And Lord, I pray, dear God, that we'll be faithful to walk the walk and not just talk the talk we might manifest by our works the light of the world, Jesus Christ. With every head bowed, every eye closed.